Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Cognitive Recalibration Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Shravan. We've got Taran here with us. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back to part two of this Christopher Nolan series that we're doing. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about insomnia and the prestige. 
So these are his two sort of middle movies that he, when he started to venture into studio production films. Uh, if you're interested in his uh, earlier works, we did do a, a part one of this series. So check that out in, in our uh, podcast stream. All right. So we're up to Insomnia. Yes. This is another one that you haven't seen. No, no, I haven't. So I watched it recently. Um, this movie is actually really hard to come by because it's not on, firstly, it's not on any streaming service anywhere in the world as far as I know because I looked up um, what I can VPN and it wasn't anywhere. I think you either have to buy it on iTunes or you have to somehow find a Blu-ray, which was also pretty hard to come by. Um, but luckily, I happen to have a version of this film, uh, which I got many, many years back. So I managed to watch it. And I guess that's why you couldn't watch it, because it's pretty hard to find. No. Yeah. I, th- I think I've seen I've seen videos of it on YouTube before. So I actually, I actually know what happens, and I know the story. Okay. But... I've I've never seen the movie to its entirety. Yeah, so it's it is a bit of a dark horse in his filmography because it's a little bit different, and there's reasons for that. So I'll give you a bit of background on the movie itself. So George Clooney and Steven Soderbergh are executive producers on this movie, and they had this project in development for quite a long time. So I think it was from '98. Um, it was actually in development, and this is actually a remake of a Norwegian film um, of the same name, Insomnia, that came out in 1997. So that's one of the reasons why I guess it's a little bit different to Nolan's other movies because it's not his own story. It's, it is a remake of, a, of another movie. So he didn't have as much creative control over, over this movie as some of his other ones. So what it's about, it's about a, a detective that's investigating a murder of a young woman in an isolated town that's so far north that the sun doesn't set uh, for several days in some parts of the year. So the Norwegian movie was obviously in Norway where they do experience this phenomenon where the sun doesn't set during the summer. This particular movie is set in Alaska. Again, so far up north that they do experience this. But where it was actually shot was not in Alaska. It was shot in Canada, in British Columbia. That has a similar landscape, I guess, to, to Alaska. The main sort of critical point of this movie is this particular detective who's played by Al Pacino comes with his partner to to this town to investigate this murder but back in Los Angeles where they're from internal affairs is investigating one of his previous cases and they think there could be something that that happened that he he was involved in that happened and they're investigating that that's sort of the backdrop for it and that kind of plays into some of the conflict that that arises in this movie. So the cast in this film is pretty is pretty good, um, considering this is Nolan's third movie. He's got Al Pacino, Hilary Swank, and Robin Williams, all Academy Award winners uh, in his in this movie. I guess that's that's also because this is a big studio film. Warner Brothers is behind it, so they could get some good good actors to work work in it. Back to the story. So what happens is. This cop can't get to sleep because because it's sunny all the time. Um, so that yeah that leads to they do have a confrontation with the suspected criminal of or the the suspected oh, murderer. Robin Williams, isn't it? Yeah. So you only find out that it's Robin Williams really late into the movie. It's like more than an hour into the movie. So they they're chasing this guy and they find this secluded hut at the end at the edge of this town where he's supposedly staying. 
and they go and try to confront him and he runs into the woods and there's a lot of fog in this in this area and this cop Al Pacino ends up shooting his partner but what happens the night before is his partner says that he's going to basically tell internal affairs about what happened in a previous case to get immunity and obviously Al Pacino is not very happy about that he shoots he shoots his partner and when you first watch it, it looks like it's because he couldn't see him and he thought it was it was the criminal and he shot but as the movie progresses and he gets more and more sleep deprived he starts to question his own motives as to maybe he did actually see him and he kind of did it on shot purpose anyway. yeah that starts to play into the movie and then this cop starts to become more and more of a criminal because he starts to cover up his own acts so Hilary Swank who actually idolizes Al Pacino's character she starts investigating this case the the murder or the the killing of of his partner because what Al Pacino tells the cops is that he was shot by by the murderer but she finds out that it couldn't have been the murderer from the angle which he was shot and the only person that was at that angle was Al Pacino so she starts to question him not openly but in her own mind she starts kind of figured figuring things out meanwhile robin williams's character he sees that al pacino shot his partner so he has that leverage over him al pacino can't he he figures out that it is robin williams so he finds out that it is this author that lives in the town which is robin williams's character and they end up talking to each other they meet they even meet each other but because al pacino doesn't want to get found out he doesn't let robin williams get found out either so it's kind of this interplay it is kind of like a typical nolan twist you find out that al pacino in one of his previous cases he plants spoilers here so if you haven't seen this movie this is spoilers so you've been warned you find out that al pacino planted some evidence in one of his previous cases on on a murder investigation because he knew that this particular suspect was the murderer but they didn't have any conclusive evidence to suggest that he was. In his heart, he knew that it was. So he purposely gets the blood of the murder victim and places it on, I think it's the suspect's um, shirt or something. Or he he, plan- he pretty much plants the evidence somewhere. And they use that to arrest, arrest that suspect and uh, put him in jail. At the very end of the movie, he says that. And Hilary Swank also finds out that this was the case. This is what happened in that case because she studied that case when she was trained to become a policeman. And at the end of the movie, you see Hilary Swank confront Al Pacino saying that, you know, this is what you've done. But she doesn't want him to get arrested for the the, uh, killing of his partner. So she's, she's about to throw away the bullet that she finds that was fired from his gun. But he tells her not to do it so he says don't lose your way and become like me and he at at that stage anyway he had been shot by robin williams so he was about to die anyway basically at the end of the movie he dies robin williams dies and hillary swank lives but she knows the truth about everything so that's a quick summary of the movie my question is why doesn't he just close the curtains when he goes to sleep so he does he does, but they don't have very good curtains in this in this hotel that he's staying in. So it still like comes out through the side of the curtains. And at one stage in the movie, he starts putting all this furniture against the wall, against the curtains, so the light doesn't seep through. But it doesn't help. And I think the insomnia that he's got, it's not all because of the light. It's because of all the guilt that he has. I think that's kind of implied. Mm. 
So it's not just because okay. of because it's too bright in the room. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I had to ask. <laughs> it was uh, so this movie. I'm a bit a bit split on it because I did enjoy it, but it is very it's very slow and it's very like it's very much dialogue driven. So there's not much action as such. So there's not much happening on the screen. The dialogue is good, but it is quite slow and it is a slow burn compared to his other movies. And I guess it is the most one of the most straightforward of his movies. So there isn't like anything too complex or the way it's told as well. It's not non-linear or anything like that. It's all it's all in one line. There's nothing nothing too crazy about it. Like I said before, so he's got three Oscar-winning actors in this movie. So I, d- I did some research and I had to look at throughout all these movies how many Oscar-winning actors or actresses have been in his movies. Lots. Lots and lots. <laughs> if you had to guess. The lead actor in all these movies has won an Oscar, I'm pretty sure. In all of them, I'm pretty sure the lead actors won an Oscar, either before or after. Yeah, either or before or after. nominated. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. well, Guy Pearce hasn't. Yeah. Okay, so Al Pacino has. Robert Williams has has been nominated at least. No, nah, he's, he's won. So he's, yeah. he's a winner. Hillary, Hillary Swank's won. Won twice, one. yeah. Uh, Hugh Jackman, no. No. I'm guessing. Christian Bale has. Christian Bale has. Scarlett Johansson? No. Nah. She's been nominated, nah. but hasn't won. Michael Caine? Michael Caine has two. Leo. Matthew McConaughey. And Hathaway? Yep. Has Kenneth Branagh won an Oscar? I thought he would have, but he actually hasn't. He's been nominated a lot of times, but he hasn't won an Oscar. Okay. But there is uh, a person in Dunkirk that has won an Oscar. Harry Styles for music? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. I, I can't remember the other actors in Dunkirk. So all up, I counted throughout all these movies. So he's done 10 movies. And out of the 10 movies, fifteen there, there have been 15 actors that have won at least one Oscar in, in all of his movies. So the ones we've mentioned already. So Al Pacino has won one. Ron Williams has won one. Hilary Swank's won two. Christian Bale has won one. Michael Caine's won two. One we missed is Gary Oldman. He's won one. Oh, yeah. Morgan Freeman has won one. Heath Ledger, obviously. Anne Hathaway. Marion Cotillard has won one. Leonardo DiCaprio. Matthew McConaughey. One we missed, and a lot of people will probably miss as well, is Matt Damon. He didn't win it for oh, yeah. acting, but he won it for screenplay. But he's in Good Interstellar. Yeah. Another one that a lot of people miss, and they forget that he's even in this movie, is Casey Affleck. He was in Interstellar. And he's one... Oh, yeah, he's his son, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. And the one I was mentioning in Dunkirk is Mark Rylance. I know who that is. He's the guy on the boat with the two kids. Oh, okay, is that guy famous? I thought this was like his first movie. <laughs> well, he's won an Oscar. <laughs> he won an Oscar for yeah. Bridge of Spies. Oh, never seen it. So he gets some good actors in his movies. So they either, mm. either win awards before or after doing his movies. A couple more trivia questions on this. As of 2017... Or as of now, actually. This is the only film directed by Christopher Nolan, which Nolan does not have the official writing credit. This is the only remake that he's done. Will Dormer, which is Al Pacino's name in this movie, is... So Dormer is the French, Spanish, and Portuguese word dormir, means to sleep. So it's kind of derived from that. Harrison Ford was considered to play the title role, or the protagonist role, before Al Pacino got it. And this is Nolan's only film 
post-2000 that has not been nominated for any awards. The other thing is this is his first movie that is not in black and white or does not have parts in black and white. Does not have black and white. And, oh, I've got it here. Robin Williams does not appear until 61 minutes into the film. Okay, fair way in. In one of his interviews, he was when he was talking about Al Pacino, he would say Al Pacino would ask for ask for multiple takes of scenes. So he'd just do different versions of the scenes on his own, pretty much. Um, and he'd vary his energy levels throughout each take. And then Nolan would pick which one was most suitable. So he'd do like 12, 10 to 12 takes of every scene. So that's a lot of film. But yeah, that's apparently that's how Al Pacino works. He, he does heaps of takes. He said all the takes were perfect. It's just that he just wanted to explore the character further. So he'd just do it on his own. Want to try a couple things. Apparently that's what RDJ does too. RDJ? I hear RDJ just gets his lines fed through an earpiece. Do you, have you heard this? No. In all, this is true, actually. In all the Marvel movies, he doesn't memorize his lines because he wants to spend more time with his family, so he doesn't want to spend time memorizing lines. So in each movie, he's got an earpiece, like in a, a small one, so no one can see it, and someone tells they him feed the, the line. Someone tells him the line, and then he says it. But he doesn't even say the lines exactly. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he improvised. No, no. Them. And then, and yeah. then he, and then he ad libs on top of it. Yeah. So they say something, and then he says that or ad libs on top of it. But he doesn't. He doesn't memorize scripts. Well, fair enough. And he gets paid more than any other actor as well. <laughs> it's good life. It. You can't tell when you watch the movie though. But yeah, fair enough. Elements of filmmaking in this in this movie. You're pro- if you're joining us for this episode before seeing part one, basically I've kind of identified some trends or techniques that I've seen most of Nolan's films, and I try to point them out with a with an example. So in this movie, um, have you ever noticed in in all of his movies he does sometimes have these really close up shots of actors, like literally just their face. I'm not Shyamalan style. Yeah, so he does that in this movie as well, where there's a scene where Al Pacino is on the phone, and it's literally just like just his face but when you see the making of that scene you'd think that they'd just use like a zoom right but the camera was literally like like a ruler in front of him like 30 centimeters in front of him um that's how close Mm. the camera was and apparently he does that because it makes the actors more aware and it brings out a better performance after this film nolan was going to make a movie about howard hughes so howard hughes being the uh american the investor they made the did they make a movie? Yes, that's the reason he didn't make it. So um, the Leonardo DiCaprio. One. Yeah, yeah, so he was he was what's it called? He was planning to make a movie about this, but then uh, Martin Scorsese was making The Aviator with with Leonardo DiCaprio, which was about how Hughes. So he backed out of it. So apparently they already started some of the development for this movie. So he wanted Jim Carrey in the role, the title role. Interesting choice. <laughs> But obviously, it didn't it didn't go ahead. So once he found out that Martin Scorsese was doing it, he he backed out. And it was around this time that he found out that Warner Brothers were planning to get back into Batman and start making Batman again. This was six years after Batman and Robin. There were different interpretations of of the character at that time in the studio. So one version of it was a continuation of the same timeline of the same Batman and Robin timeline, and there were different directors that wanted to. Batman Triumphant. Yes, yeah, so Batman tri- yeah. Triumphant. They still had that script and they wanted to do that. And I, I think at that stage, so this would have been 2002, 2003, the only other franchise that Warner Bros. had, which was 
arguably bigger than anything that DC had was probably Harry Potter. We all know what happened with Batman Begins, so it was a big success, and we'll talk about that in more detail in in another episode. But if you fast, already talked about it in detail in uh, Origins episode. We did, talk yeah. About, if you want to listen to that, yeah, yeah. So if you want to, we did talk about it in, in that. You're right. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, have a look at our Origin Origins episode, which is which is an orange episode. Yes. It is. We we colour all our episodes in case you didn't know. <laughs> we colour code them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we colour code them, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's fast forward four years. So this is after Batman Begins. Prestige. So this movie came out in 2006, only a year after Batman Begins. Pretty short turnover. This movie was actually in development since Memento. It would have actually been his next film, so after he gave up on the idea of the Howard Hughes film, and before he found out about Batman, he was actually planning to make this movie. And the reason he had this in development for so long was because the author of the original prestige novel, Christopher Priest, um, actually selected Jonathan and Christopher Nolan to make this movie. So he was handpicked by by the author to, to, to do the adaptation of this. Christopher Priest actually chose them to do this movie before Memento was even released. So it was actually after watching Following that he he chose them to to make this movie. So Prestige, this is another pretty deep film. So there's a lot happening in this, again. Cast-wise, again, you've got a good cast. So you've got Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Michael Caine for the second time. So Michael Caine appeared for the first time in Batman Begins and he's appeared in every movie since then. I believe in Dunkirk... Except Dunkirk. I think he's a voiceover in Dunkirk. Apparently, okay. but he's not in it. Yeah, yep. he's in Tenet yep. though. Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall, Andy Serkis is in this as well, and uh, David Bowie. Who are they? Andy Serkis is the guy. Oh no, you said Andy Serkis. Okay, yeah. Uh, who you, who was the second name? You said David Bowie. Oh, David Bowie. Yeah. Okay, I, I I know both those people. I just didn't <laughs> hear you say their names, so I didn't know who they were. <laughs> I I know who they both are. Yeah, and Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. Did you say those two? Yeah, yeah. I said them first. <laughs> Okay, yes. I obviously just wasn't listening. <laughs> I guess there's a lot to talk about in this. Um, we can start with... I've seen this three times now. I guess the first time I was genuinely surprised with the twist. Because I, yeah. I I didn't see it. But the second time when you know the twist... Which twist? There's like two of them. Or like more than two. <laughs> so the main... Well, yeah, you're right. The twist with Christian Bale and his twin brother. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> okay yeah spoiler again spoilers for this movie that came out in 2006 if you haven't seen it yeah. then watch Surely watch all, like a statue of <laughs> watch yeah. all of these movies and then come listen to these because they're, they're all good um spoilers for the for the reviews yeah there's probably a statute of what's it called like like after a certain period of time you don't have to say spoilers i reckon yeah like i reckon like 10 years? Yeah, definitely 10, 10 years. years is, yeah. 10, yeah, 10 years is giving you a lot of time. Yeah. If you haven't seen it in 10 years, don't, you're never going to watch it. <laughs> don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> Where do we want to start? I guess we, we can talk about Christian Bale's character first. So Christian Bale in this movie, he's got a twin brother and that's how he's doing the transporter man trick throughout. But Hugh Jackman, I guess we should probably... Hugh Jackman's like, how the hell is he doing this trick? Yeah, I guess we should probably explain what, what it's about as well. So it's the about movie these, is about magicians. It's about yeah. two magicians that are dueling to perform this trick called the Transporter Man trick. They used to be friends, but now they're not. Yeah, so they both used to work with for Michael Caine. So Michael Caine is also a magician, and he taught them most of their tricks, so they're kind of his apprentices. 
And then a certain incident happens where Hugh Jackman's wife, I think, right? She ends up dying in one yeah, of the tricks. Yeah, wife, yeah. And that kind of creates this feud between between the two and they start doing their own practices. Back to, back to the transporter man trick. So Christian Bale has a twin brother and the, the trick is like there's two doors and he goes through one door and then he appears at the other door. But Christian Bale has two of him, so one of them stands at the other door and the other one goes through the door and he drops down like a trap door or whatever. And then, yeah, and then the other one appears, basically. That's right. And then Hugh Jackman's like, how's, how's this possible? Yeah, and he kind of... He gets obsessed with it. <laughs> he gets obsessed with it and he doesn't want to believe that it is as simple as just having a double. For some reason, he, he doesn't think yeah, it's that. Yeah, feels like it's like real magic or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this guy's, this guy's somehow figured out how to really do magic. <laughs> and then throughout the film, they're basically sabotaging each other's acts. So Hugh Jackman basically shoots Christian Bale at one point because that's one of his tricks where he catches the, the bullet. And then Christian Bale... <laughs> Christian Bale, like... <laughs> grievously injures one of Hugh Jackman's audience members. Yes. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't even affect Hugh Jackman. He just, like, splices the audience members' hands. So throughout the movie, they're kind of competing, and at one stage... Hugh Jackman goes sees Nikola Tesla. Yes, and he, he ends up getting something that's real magic, sort of. Like, it kind of duplicates it's your science, body. Or I guess. I'm not sure exactly like how it works. cloning procedure. Yeah, so it's basically, never explained. basically clones you, and he uses that as as his technique. But what happens, and this you see this in all of these movies, where the starting of the movie is the ending of the movie, so it it's kind of starts where it ends. So you see at the start that Christian Bale witnesses Hugh Jackman basically dying from from this trick, and he tries to help him, but in in the process they think that he was involved in in that murder and. Christian Bale ends up getting arrested and convicted and Hugh Jackman is actually alive because he used that technology from Nikola Tesla to to make a clone of himself. But then he dies anyway. Does he? Doesn't he? Doesn't the other Christian Bale go and shoot him or something? Yeah, he does. But then the very last shot of the movie, don't you see Hugh Jackman in like a case or something? I thought that's him drowning, isn't it? Yeah, it might just be a dead version of him. I, I guess he's dead. He must be one of his previous clones. I, I haven't seen I haven't seen this in a long time. But from what from what I remember, one of the Christian Bowers is like an aggro guy, and he goes to jail. Then the other Christian Bow goes and kills Hugh Jackman, and then he does. Christian Bow have a kid? Yeah, so he's got a daughter. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and then he lives with his daughter and and Rebecca Hall. No, Rebecca Hall dies because she commits suicide. Or is it Scarlett Johansson that he lives with? No, nah, Scott Johansson just—I don't know what she does. She, okay, no. He, okay, so then he 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 lives with his daughter yeah. or something. Is that what happens? I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. So we should call this episode "Guy Reviews Movie He Barely Remembers." <laughs> <laughs> I think it's—I think it is his. No, it's not his daughter actually. I think it's someone's daughter. No, no, it like it's his girl. daughter. It's Christian Bale's daughter, but. The one that survives is not her father. It's her uncle, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Because there's two of them. And that's why Rebecca Hall's character, she, throughout the movie, she does say that whenever Christian Bale says that he loves her, she says whether he actually means it or not. And that's because sometimes it's his twin that's saying it and sometimes it's him that's saying it. So she, 
I think she was actually the closest out of anyone to figuring out what was actually happening. And there's a, there's a line in the movie where this was before the the feud happens, where Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman go to watch another magician's show. This Asian magician who looks very very old. He looks like eighty to hundred years old. That's actually a real bloke. It is. Yeah, it's in my trivia. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. It's a real bloke, but apparently the whole act was that. Firstly, he wasn't even Asian. It was a, apparently he was a white guy. Yeah, um, it's a white bloke. Yeah, dressed as an Asian, and he wasn't he wasn't anywhere near as old as that. But whenever he was in public, he would always dress up as that person and always act as if he was that person. So that was the actual magic trick in in a sense. So he was always dedicated to that magic trick. I think there's a line in the movie where he says. Um, this is the trick. This is the performance. This is why no one can detect his method. Total devotion to his art. He says that about that that magician, but he kind of applies the same principle to his own life as well. And no one, pretty much no one knows. Even his Wait, own wife doesn't know. So, my question is, when did they start this game? Well, first off, did he always know he was going to do this trick? And so he hid himself. He hid one of the twins, or or both the twins are like, okay, we're going to act like one person. And when did they start? Like, did they start when they were, like, two years old? Or, like, one years old? And they're like, oh, we're going to do this <laughs> trick when we're older. So we're going to act like one person? I think when he was working with Michael Caine and Hugh Jackman, it must have just been one of them. I don't think it was both of them. I think it was only after they split and they wanted to do this transporter man trick. That's when his brother got involved. Well, the theory is that the reason that Hugh Jackman's wife dies is that one of the guys is the one to say which knot he wanted to do, and then the other twin is the one that actually does the knot, and he does a different knot, and the wife can't get out of that knot because he did the wrong knot, and that's why he she dies. It could be that, but the wife wanted to do it with that knot as well. No, but he does a different knot because he wasn't in on the conversation. Oh, uh, okay, so he does a, a, different a completely twin. different knot. He does a completely different knot because he wasn't there. Yeah, that could be true because when Hugh Jackman confronts him later and he asks him which knot he did, he he can't answer that question. Maybe because it was the other brother that did it. So maybe he was doing it for a very long time. Yeah, so at what point did he start this? And <laughs> how did he know he was going to do this trick? That's good. That's a good point. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's in yeah. the book. So that's my groundbreaking <laughs> element for this movie. <laughs> the other thing is, so Christopher Nolan, he tends to put in this is the first of a couple of these movies where he the whole movie is a bit of a metaphor for filmmaking in general. Um, so this movie, in the first very first scene of the movie, they explain the three stages of of a magic trick. So it's the the pledge, the turn, and the prestige. So the pledge being you you present the audience with a normal object, and that's kind of like the first act of a movie where you introduce the audience to the characters. Nothing much happens, mostly just introductions. And then the turn is when you're presented, what you presented in the pledge disappears. So you do something with the with what is presented in the pledge. Similarly in Act 2, something happens with the characters and they're presented with some sort of problem. And then the prestige is when you can't just make the object disappear, you have to make it reappear. And similarly, in Act 3 of a film, you get some sort of resolution and some sort of return to the status quo. So something gets back to normal. So it's kind of a metaphor for filmmaking overall. And in this movie, he kind of plays a magic trick on the audience in a sense because 
the second time you watch it, you realize that a lot of the clues are just like right there in front of you. Especially the twin stuff, because there's a part yeah, when because it's just Christian Bale, it's just Christian Bale in makeup. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell. Well, you can tell that it's him, especially after you know that it's him. Yeah, and there's other parts where that kind of telegraph it too, because there's a part where he does a magic trick with a bird with Rebecca Hall's nephew, I think, and he makes the bird disappear and he makes a bird reappear. But the boy that was with Rebecca Hall, he says, "Where did the brother go?" Meaning that the other bird died and he got a, a new bird. So it's it's kind of already foreshadowed. in the- Which is what Hugh Jackman does. He, gets, <laughs> he kills, keeps killing himself. My other, my other game-breaking element in this movie, this movie has two. Why doesn't Hugh Jackman just have a conversation with his clone and be like, dude, this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this trick and we can swap it each night or whatever. Is it because... Instead the- of killing his clone every night... <laughs> Does he clear? Does he kill his clone or does he kill himself? I don't know. Someone dies every night, but <laughs> <laughs> someone didn't need to die every night. They could have both stayed alive. Because isn't it that his memories? Are, well, I don't know how this works because it's never really explained in the movie. But his memories transfer to the new body, and that the other one doesn't have that. Like, doesn't remember it. The other one doesn't have memories. Yeah. Well, when they when when they. The first thing they remember is they're drowning or they're dying. So I don't know if they're... The first thing they remember is that they're drowning. Because he does the trick, right? And then he falls into, like, yeah. water and he starts yeah, drowning. and then drowns. Yeah. And the other one appears, right? And the other one appears to remember everything. When he does the trick, he clones himself as he's doing the trick. Yes. But I think his consciousness... The- this could be wrong. Maybe both of them have... Yeah every all the memories and both of them can actually function as different people but i think yeah maybe his consciousness is taken to the new body and the his existing one is just a body and it just dies i did i didn't get that from it but maybe you're right yeah well i thought he was just killing himself because he wanted to <laughs> have, one, have the spotlight have only one version of himself yeah but then every night he did the trick he would just get another version of himself and he'd, they'd just be like every every night he'd there'd be another version of himself so he'd, he'd just be multiplying the number of huge actors. why does he have to use a cloning machine every night though if you have another version of yourself you can do the trick without the cloning machine well the other thing was that the reason he didn't like using because at one stage he does actually use a double yeah but the reason he doesn't like using it is because when he does the trick He's not on stage, and it's the other one that's on stage, and he gets to yeah. he gets the applause, and maybe that's why. So he wants yeah, both. Okay. I think that's that's the reason but, he he pursues this technique as well because he wants the glory. He doesn't want he wants to be the f- guy doing the trick and also the guy that gets the applause. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. All right, he's a psychopath. <laughs> it's just a magic trick, man. <laughs> Some trivia. So you've already mentioned one of these. So Chung Ling Su was a stage character created by William Ellsworth Robinson, a white man who disguised himself as a Chinese man to cash in on audiences' enthusiasm for the exotic. Robinson lived as Chung. Cultural. Never yeah, break- cultural appropriation. <laughs> uh, Robinson lived as Chung, never breaking character while in public. He died on March 1918 while a bullet catch trick went wrong. My God, I've been shot were his last words and the first English he had spoken on stage in 19 years. Cultural appropriation at its finest. The word prestige originally meant a trick 
from the Latin word prestigium, meaning illusion. What a lot of people don't know is that Sam Mendes was actually going to direct this film before Christopher Priest finalized Christopher Nolan. So he actually did finalize Sam Mendes, but then he got a VHS copy of Following delivered to him and he watched it and then he changed his mind and Sam Mendes didn't get the job. This was Christopher Nolan's lowest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes at 76% until Interstellar came out. And David Bowie initially declined the role of Nikola Tesla when it was offered to him. But Christopher Nolan flew out to him personally and told him that he was the only person he imagined for the role and that his larger-than-life persona would only make the role better. Well, here's here's something from the novel that might help us uh, figure out what's happening with Hugh Jackman. So in the novel, the machine works a bit differently than in the film. It doesn't copy a person exactly as they are, memories and personality intact, 50 to 100 meters away from the device's location. Instead, it does, in fact, transport the essence of the person into a newly created body, leaving behind a seemingly dead husk. These dead husks are what Angier refers to as the prestige materials in the novels. So in the novel, it is what I said. In the novel, it's what you said. Yeah. But in the movie, it's what I said. Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess we saw that. But I think you're right. He wanted... (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. He wanted to be both the the guy that gets the applause and the guy that does the trick, which is why he did, did just use the double. Elements of his filmmaking. So in this one, the key thing that I found, and throughout all these movies this is true as well, is that he understands his target audience, so he doesn't ever dumb down his movies. So instead he kind of tries to complement the, the, the audience's intelligence rather than uh, assume that they don't have any intelligence like some movies do. A lot of his movies are what I call intelligent blockbusters. So they're not something, they're not your typical blockbusters. They do make you think a bit and they do challenge your intelligence. And the other technique that he uses quite often is book ending. So this is where the beginning and the end share something in common. Sometimes it's dialogue. Sometimes it's like the scene is exactly the same. So in this movie, it is dialogue because you get that, the explanation of the prestige all right, so that brings us... Do you have anything else to say about Prestige? No, but I like this movie. I think it's my favourite non... Oh, no, no, it's not. No, it's one of my favourite Christopher Nolan movies. It's not my most favourite, but it's probably one of the best ones. For me, I, I, I really do like this movie as well, but for me, I feel like on repeat viewings, it's not as impactful because a lot of it is in the mystery around how the tricks are performed and... The twists, mm. but once you know them, it's not as there's still layers to it, but it's not as impactful as some of his other movies. I don't really repeat watch most of Christopher Nolan's movies though. So interesting thing is, he wants people to repeat watch his movies because he purposefully makes them complex and adds layers of complexity so that people notice things that they hadn't noticed in previous viewings. Yeah, so that's something he, that's something he does on purpose. Or try harder, Christopher. Nolan, if you haven't got me yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this this is actually interestingly one of his, like I mentioned earlier, it's one of his lowest critically rated films, but it's also one of his highest audience rated films. So there is a bit of polarity there, but I don't know anyone who doesn't like this movie. All right, so I guess that brings us to the end of this middle episode on Christopher Nolan's filmography. If people want to get in touch with us and tell us about their theories on prestige, how do they go about it? They can contact us on Facebook and Instagram at Cognitive Recalibration. Email is cognitive recalibration podcast at gmail.com. And 
our Twitter handle is at C Recalibration. Yes, and if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by uh, many means. So one is just give us a review on iTunes and Spotify. If you want to uh, support us financially as well, we've got Amazon affiliate links that you can purchase whatever you want through Amazon and we get a bit bit of a kickback. We also have Buy Me A Coffee where you can uh, give us a small donation which we'll use to further develop the podcast. Next episode, part three, we'll be talking about, I guess, his heavier films in a way, Inception, Interstellar and Dunkirk. So a lot to talk about in that episode, his more modern films. Look forward to talking about that. But till then, stay safe and we'll see you guys next time. Until next time, see ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.